We wanted to be as agile as like a three-person team, but we were a hundred people and that caused a lot of people to not know what the hell was going on. It's so much easier to communicate. The challenge was I had to literally watch Slack and be like, oh, there's a decision. Oh, here's a pull request. There's a decision. And it was like, I couldn't do that. And it was really hard to get everyone on our iPhone moment, right? So there's a super quick anecdote. Um, I remember I was running a startup when the iPhone came out and uh, what really when the app store came out is when everything started to shift. I was part of this community in Toronto of other founders and about half of them dropped everything and pivoted to the iPhone. Literally dropped everything. They're like, we're not building web apps anymore. We're not building Mac apps. We're building iPhone. I just feel super fortunate to be starting a company today with no baggage or anything like that because I kind of think this is a, another iPhone moment, but has a, you know, the chance to just be so much bigger because of the accessibility of the technology. So it's really all about awareness. So, so that's kind of where I'm starting. It's like, I want to listen to any data you're willing to, to give me and just try to surface the decisions to you that are already being made. After that, I want to help you document them and, and things like that, but that'll Hi everybody. Later. Welcome back to our second founder interview with another founder from this month's NanoGrit Challenge. I'm here with Cameron Westland. He's the founder of Forward AI. Is that F forward or just forward, Cameron? That's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I just call it forward though. Okay, that was my guess and I guess correctly. Cameron, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, just uh, enjoying the nice weather that's finally coming in in Toronto. So um, yeah, it's been kind of a long time coming, but we finally, it's like 18 degrees today. So I'm, I'm happy and hoping to get some outside time before the sun goes down. Awesome. Yeah, it's about the same temperature we have here today and it's sunny. So yeah, spring is here. Nice. Uh, enjoy it while we can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so tell us just quickly about Forward. Uh, can you give us the one-liner or the elevator pitch? Yeah. So uh, Forward's job is to make it 10 times easier to communicate decisions within your, your startup. So um, it does that using a bunch of automations, but primarily under the hood, it's using like OpenAI GPT-4. Super cool. And I'm excited to talk to you uh, mainly because I think you're the first like really serial uh, successful founder I've interviewed on the show. So we'll get into a little bit of that background later on, but for Forward itself, um, what inspired it? And I guess it's an easy one to answer, but why is now the right time to build it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So for the first one, I'll tell you a story. Um, and that's of the last startup I was at. Um, I was a co-founder, CTO, so technical co-founder. And um, we grew to about 100 people. And one of the big challenges we had was keeping everyone informed. Okay. So it was very, very typical. Uh, we wanted to be as agile as like a three-person team, but we were a hundred people and that caused a lot of people to not know what the hell was going on, right? So it was very typical for people to say, why did we make this decision? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And it would be like, oh, that was decided a month ago, right? And then there's no way for them to influence those decisions. And so at that startup, I actually started writing a decision log. And this was in, in Notion. It was a top level um, kind of database in the workspace. 
And every time I witnessed someone making like a decision that I thought other people would want to know about, I would get them to write a little decision memo. The memo had five questions. It was, what is the decision? Um, why, like, why are you making this decision? What, like, what decision factors did you consider? Uh, basically, like, what are your principles here? Um, what are the risks of making this decision? And what do we get compens what compensation do we get? Is this, are they just like, hey, I want to try some new technology or is there real compensation for these risks? And then what if, lastly, what are the alternatives that you considered? Just making sure people are actually considering alternatives and not just going with the first decision. So every time I would kind of poke someone and I would do this myself to write this decision log, it would solve a bunch of problems for the company. We would have a written decision. People would see that in Notion. They would get notifications like right away and they would jump in and make comments and be like, oh, did you consider this? Did you consider that? And it just, it made it so much easier to communicate. The challenge was I had to literally watch Slack and be like, oh, there's a decision. Oh, here's a pull request. There's a decision. And it was like, I couldn't do that. And it was really hard to get everyone on board. And so it was hard to get like everyone to write this. And so that was, that was basically it. We spent a ton of time as founders communicating decisions and building alignment and context. And once we figured out a way to do that faster, a decision log, it was really hard to get everyone to, uh, to write these things. So it was kind of born out of my personal experience. So those are the kind of the problems I assume every other uh, high growth startup and probably bigger companies, but uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't started here yet. Um, and then, sorry, okay. you asked me a second uh, question. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Why uh, now? You, yeah. So why now is obviously it's like, this is our iPhone moment, right? So there's a super quick anecdote. Um, I remember I was running a startup when the iPhone came out and uh, what really when the app store came out is when everything started to shift. I was part of this community in Toronto of other founders and about half of them dropped everything and pivoted to the iPhone, literally dropped everything. They're like we're not building web apps anymore. We're not building Mac apps. We're building iPhone apps. And then the, the cohort of people who kind of didn't do it, we kind of like chuckled at them a little bit. We were like, oh, how could you be a company dedicated to building for this one thing? This doesn't make any sense. Of course, you know, it's kind of ridiculous to say in hindsight because we know how amazing, uh, oh, sorry. Um, we know how amazing, you know, these companies that actually did that are in retrospect. And so I just feel super fortunate to be starting a company today with no baggage or anything like that because I kind of think this is a, another iPhone moment, but has a, you know, the chance to just be so much bigger because of the accessibility of the technology. Okay, that all makes a lot of sense. I guess um, I, I'm curious now, what is your vision for forward to sort of improve the process that you described happening at your last startup? Uh, yeah. How is it better to type into a chat bot uh, about decisions instead of just putting it in Notion? What What's the improvement there? Yeah, totally. Well, so decision making, you know, is a it's like a job to be done, right? So I always like to use the jobs to be done framework and kind of outline what are the what are the steps, the beginning, middle, and end of any uh, you know job. In this case, first of all, you got to have awareness, right? You have to know you're actually making a decision, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but a lot of people don't have that awareness. They just do the thing, all right. The second, you need to analyze the decision factors, right? You have to actually go in and be like this or that, and you have to feel the tension between trade-offs. Every decision involves trade-offs. Then you need to build alignment, 
which is getting your stakeholders to, to review and things like that, then you have to make some sort of a predicted outcome. What's going to change as a result of this decision? And then you have to come back and say, well, did it change? What's the error on that prediction? And what did we learn? That's the, that's the whole process, right? So what I want to do is just make that whole process better and more automated for every company. That's the ultimate goal. Where I'm going to start is at the very beginning. How do we build awareness around decisions? Okay. So the, to do that, think of your, all of the data that a company is already generating. So Slack, Zoom transcripts, GitHub pull requests, uh, changes to an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet, right? All of these little changes are, are outcomes that are on the basis of a decision, right? And so if I can start to detect these changes using, you know, machine learning processes, then I can actually just raise a flag and be like, hey, someone made a decision. Then through a learning process, I can say, well, is that a big decision? Should we even talk about that? Or is that a small decision, right? And so now we can start to get sensitive. We can get companies sensitive to the decisions we're making. And just by doing that, we can then start helping them make better decisions. It's a, so it's really all about awareness. So, so that's kind of where I'm starting. It's like, I want to listen to any data you're willing to, to give me and just try to surface the decisions to you that are already being made. After that, I want to help you document them and, and things like that, but that'll come later. Okay, very cool. Um, and I guess in terms of goals, you said a big goal, but this month in NanoGrit, all the founders are setting goals for to reach by the end of May, by demo day. Uh, so what's your goal for NanoGrit? And how do you think that NanoGrit will help you move forward, forward? Yeah, forward, forward. I know, it's, uh, it's very, very funny. Um, so I want to I wanna talk to founders that are feeling this pain in their organization. That's my goal. And so to do that, I'm, I'm building a wait list and then just interviewing the people on the wait list. So my goal is to get like a, basically 50 people. I think I said the goal was 42 or something, some ridiculous number, uh, like very precise, but, but I want about 50 people uh, because I don't want to build the wrong thing. One of my like first principles is like build things people love that also work for the business. And I can't do that alone, even though I have my own experience. I, I really want to do this cooperatively. So the two big things NanoGrid does is one, it gives me a community of people that are doing the same thing every day, which is really motivating and really inspiring, right? Um, so if I'm feeling a little down today and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take it easy, there's like 10 other people who are hustling in, in front of my face and they're going to pull me out of my phone. And hopefully I can do that for other people. So that's like awesome. I love that. Uh, the second thing is I can just basically spy on other people who are at the same phase as me. What works for them? Can I just steal that tactic, right? Or, or can they steal from me? And it's sort of like we're all in this together. And so I think those are like the two big things uh, that NanoGrid has to offer. Um, and then maybe the, the third thing is just like, it's lonely being a, a solo founder and I have kids and a family and everything and dogs and that's all fun. But like at work, I'm used to working with the team. NanoGrid's kind of like my team right now which is really nice, right? It makes me uh, avoid that kind of the feeling of being lonely. Okay, uh, that makes a lot of sense, but I'd like to dig into it a little bit deeper. Sure. Uh, just given your background, uh, I, I think four, 
four startups you've been a part of, or is it more than that by now? Number four. Okay. Uh, So I guess I'm curious, what makes you want to keep going back to zero and and starting again? Is it just uh, the thrill of going from zero to one, or just relationships deteriorate, or is, is it what's your motivation there? Yeah, it's funny because my, um, uh, my all my relationships are like super good. Every past co-founder I've had still wants to work with me and I love them. Actually, they've almost become like family to me. And so that's been good. Um, I think a couple of things. One, my last startup just grew super fast. And it it's almost like it started to calcify. And what we needed to do, what I think we needed to do for the business and what we could do, um, they started to pull apart, right? Again, as I mentioned, we had 100 people. Okay, well, how many do we need given the stage of the business? I kind of think we needed like five. Okay, so even if we do a a layoff, are we going to go to five? No way in hell. No one's going to let us go to five. That means we've got like 10 years of runway. Our investors are going to rebel and everything, right? And so it's just like at a certain point, the company's like, you know, it's on a track and yeah, you can pivot and it can go like this, but it can't dramatically change. The fact that the macro situation has changed so much, right? With the advent of generative AI being kind of like much more viable. Again, I couldn't drop everything and go pursue this, right? So there's like, there's a bunch of, and then there's like personal reasons. Like, you know, I was working in FinTech for five years and like, it's hard to be in FinTech right now. The markets are terrible. I was watching every day, you know, our, our, our portfolio strategy lose money. And it's like, how many days can you see that before you want to try something new? Um, so that's like that particular thing. And then in general, I'm just a misfit as an employee. I'm totally like, you know, I've built job architectures before, right? Where, for companies where it's like, what are their levels and everything? I don't fit into any of those boxes. Like, I, so I'm a bad employee. I'm not, people are like, oh, are you a individual contributor, software developer? I'm like, no, I like product management. I like user experience. Oh, well, we don't have a track for that, you know? And so startups just fit me more naturally than, uh, you know, a big company, even though I, I, I have worked at, at big companies in the past, just I always felt like a, a bit of a misfit. All right. Well, fair enough. I mean, everybody has their own path to take. Exactly. And um, yeah. I guess uh, let's talk a little bit about building public now. Um, most of your updates that I've seen so far in our momentum stream have come from TikTok. And I'm curious, uh, why did you choose that platform and uh, how's it treating you so far? Yeah. Uh, so I haven't figured out TikTok at all. Um, it's funny a friend of mine has like videos that are in the millions and i literally asked him i was like hey what's going on how do you do he's like i don't know i have no idea (laughs) so like tiktok is weird but also interesting um i guess the bottom line is like i was like okay i want to pick a bunch of platforms and try a bunch of experiments and then i needed some sort of content that was uh native to that medium right and so tiktok from what i've seen really authentic, not super crazy edited or edited kind of terribly, quote unquote, like that seems to be like the native format. So with my updates, I don't do any prep. I literally just like put my phone on a tripod and I hit record and I talked for 60 seconds. And it sort of seemed like that might be something that could work on that medium. 
in terms of results so far, you know, all, all of my videos kind of get the same amount of views. It's like there's nothing, there's not a lot of variance. For, um, so I don't know, it's too, too early to tell, but I'm, I'm committed to just trying it out. Uh, but I'm also experimenting with Twitter and um, LinkedIn and then a blog. I, I kind of just like going horizontal, gathering data, and then kind of trying to refine. Um, building, I love building public a lot. I'm always the type of person that kind of wants to share, overshare a little more. Like I, I want to share it all. And so like building public is like permission to do that, right? It's like, instead of like, oh, you're sharing because, you know, some re some uh, reason building public's like well here's the reason to share and here's why it's good for you right and so I kind of like that ethos. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did, but did you do it before in any of your earlier startups, or is this sort of your first foray into these yeah. kinds of things? So I was talking to the um, co-founder of my previous startup, and I asked him how much organic traffic um, the website is getting. And I'm already getting more than that. <laughs> and it's like, again, five years old, uh, $80 million raised, all this. So no, I didn't really. I, I was always the technical co-founder, right? I, I never really worked on, you know, even though I did product management, UX, I never really did um, the go-to-market, market strategy, content strategy, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, this is like a new outlet for me. But I, I definitely feel like a pent-up, amount of energy because I definitely I feel like I'm taking to it uh it's again it's all terrible but again that's how I'm, I'm learning right yeah for sure uh quick question uh mm -hmm. who inspires you as a founder oh like so much so many people um so I have a I have a bunch of friends who are founders people I deeply respect and I take from them different things. Like, you know, it could be their discipline, the fact that they wake up at 7 a.m. and they start working, or it could be the way they manage their work-life balance, right? And they can shut it all off. Uh, it could be how they read all these amazing books and synthesize them. So th these are like personal friends, no one specific. Um, in terms of um, like influencers in the community, th like the stuff Y Combinator does is amazing. Um, the stuff that um, Marty Kagan at Silicon Valley Product Group, uh, he does, and, and there's kind of like an umbrella of designers and product managers around them. Uh, they're fantastic. Um, I guess the third bucket would probably be like the growth, started by being called growth hacking people, but now it's just kind of called growth, uh, growth strategy. So, you know, Andrew Chen, Casey Winters, um, the Reforge community, uh, they're doing a ton of amazing stuff. Like the Reforge blog is fantastic. Uh, their courses are amazing. So uh, I get a lot of inspiration from uh, from learning lessons from those companies as well. Um, I could keep going, but it's probably enough for now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Great resources and uh, great inspiration. I wanted to finish up here, but I, I did want to go back real quick to the community aspect of NanoGrit because I'm curious about uh, the the real community or the physical community in Toronto for founders like yourself. Um, are you part of, of any sort of startup groups there? And I guess with your, you used to be in Silicon Valley, right? So um, yeah. how has that sort of 
return or move to Toronto sort of changed the community around you as a founder? Yeah, well, so everything changed because of COVID, right? So really the community, I would say there was a before COVID community and then there was an after COVID community and there's not actually a lot of connection between the two from what I've experienced. Uh, that Like it's almost like all the restaurants closed down and the new restaurants took their place, right? It's like, there's still a restaurant there, but it's a totally different one. Um, and so a lot of the community engagement I got over the last uh, few years has been through my um, my investors from my previous startup, right? They um, There was a, one of the investors was local, uh, Golden Ventures. And so they put on a lot of like kind of portfolio programs and things like that. They um, And so that's mostly what I've done. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of like user groups that I've attended since COVID. Um, and then to answer your question about California, pretty much my whole time there, I worked for Autodesk. 10,000 people. I wasn't really a startup person back then. So like I had my two other co-founders with me and we were all, we were kind of like insular. And then when I wanted to go out into the community, it was other people at the company, right? There was just so many people. So I didn't actually engage like the Silicon Valley or San Francisco community in the way that say a brand new YC startup would have. So I, I just, I don't have personal experience on that. All right. Well, uh, I don't think I have any other particular questions. Uh, I am curious, though, um, since you have such a, a lot of experience in startups and product building and from from sort of all sides, um, I guess, how can other founders that are in NanoGrit uh, learn from you and without taking up like all of your time? So how do you find a balance there? Yeah. Um... I try to think in, in principles because it's just way higher leverage, right? Instead of me um, looking at something in the most nuanced way, I try to abstract it to some sort of principle. So for example, I, I think I've already said it here. It's like, are you building something people love that also works for your business? That principle is like as close to a first principle of products as you can get. And then if I ask someone that, well, how do they know people love it? How do they know? What are they measuring that? Well, how, what was the before and after in someone's life, right? So you can start from a principle, which is this compressed form of wisdom, um, and then really unpack that. And I think those principles can be really useful to people. Um, and so, yeah, that's like of the conversations I've been having with these, um, you know, different founders from NanoGrid. Almost always, like, I'll ask a question like that, and their minds are like, what this is crazy you know or like you know what are your top three riskiest assumptions of your business right and then i just show them a little process to figure that out and so yeah i love those kind of conversations because that's also the kind of uh, accountability i i try to hold myself to so um th those don't take up that much time all right well uh that's all i have for the questions for today i look forward to following forward ai and your progress and if you're interested in following Cameron and his startup, I'll have links to um, his website, his Twitter, whatever other links he wants in the show notes. If you want to follow along with what all the founders at NanoGrit are doing, just hop on over to nanohq.co and you'll see a, a, a sort of menu there with uh, all the startups in the cohort and the progress that they're making throughout the month 
as we move towards demo day at the end of May. So thank you so much, Cameron, for your time. And I hope you have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you so much, John. See you later. Thanks for the time.